Hello, friend. Hello, friend. That's lame. Maybe I should give you a name. Maybe I should give you a name. What I'm about to tell you is top secret. The Coffee Clash Podcast. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Coffee Clash Crew Mr. Robot episode review. I'm Jason Pistorino. I'm Christina Lomangino. And this week we try to defrag episode 410, Gone. Elliot deals with the fallout from Deus Group, Darlene and Dom hit the road. IMDb is giving this an 8.4 and Rotten Tomatoes a 100%. I think Rotten Tomatoes just, uh, they gave up. They're like, this show's great, 100%. We're not saying that because specifically of this episode. It's because I feel like every episode for a while, it's just, uh, 100. Just give it 100. They've given literally every episode 100%. (laughs) So we're just going to go with IMDb because they're pretty accurate. Before this, we had an 8.7 for 404 not found. Pretty much the rest have been in the nines. And the critics say, when it's all over, the completion of a major life event, the characters are still left with the myriad pieces that need to be picked up and put back into place. This episode was a heady mixture of emptiness, anxiety, and excitement. The future is wide open after all. It's up to you to make of it what you will. I think that says it perfectly. A heady mixture. Mm-hmm. Emptiness, anxiety, and excitement. They also talk about pretty much our main focus for the episode, which was Dom and Darlene, that the relationship hasn't always been the most consistent element of Mr. Robot. Esmail and company have more or less taken their pairing on its face instead of acutely developing it. But in 410 Gone, Gummer, Chaken, and Esmail's script make up considerable difference. Their characters are both paranoid and traumatized, living on the other side of a hellacious threat. This is kind of what you've been saying. You asked me a few, epi- a few episodes ago if I was really buying the connection between the two of them. Yeah. And some people have felt a little lacking in the fact that they're just telling us it happened yeah. without actually having seen that development. But I felt the emotional development within this episode. I felt the emotional need, but inevitably, and I think the end of the episode actually uh, brings it to light, it's not specifically for each other. It's Darlene not wanting to be alone. She's never been alone. She can't do it alone. She has anxiety attacks. I think it's Dom's infatuation, but that's it there. There's no... Well, with Dom, I think they're showing us her need to break out of this responsibility, this consistent life that she is drowning in, her obligations to work, to family, none of which actually brings her joy. Mm -hmm. She's so depressed, she hasn't been able to sleep a night and she can't remember how long. So this excitement that Darlene is bringing is almost infecting her. Even if it is running, Uh, it's an adventure that I think... Dom is yearning for on some level. I think you're right, but I think that's a lot of relationships. It's partially about each other, but it's really more about what they're going through and trying to forge that connection and each deal with that simultaneously by the end of the episode. I think what happens is very realistic that we realize we have to do that on our own. We have Mm -hmm. to figure that out first before we can come back together. Here's the problem. This is very late in the season to be doing so much legwork in developing the emotional depths with these two characters. I'm really happy that we got it, but again, just the timing and the pacing feels off. This felt like something that should have happened earlier on. Yeah. Well, we had said it when we were watching it, maybe a quarter of the way through. And again, every time we bring this up, we're guesstimating here. Knowing the fact that he's truncated two seasons, and we don't know if he decided just to ax one season and go to the final one, or kind of meld them together. That's why we have more episodes, perhaps. But what 
feeling we got was coming off of last week with both of us saying this felt like a finale. It was so good. It really, I was feeling finale the whole time. And then a quarter of the way through this one, I'm saying this feels like a season opener. Yeah. And not in a negative way. It was beautiful, like all of SML's episodes, very beautifully done. But the pace felt like a, a beginning, which I guess you could say after something that they went through last week, there's going to be like this kind of new beginning-ish Yeah, but that was after we already had an episode with Elliot where we had to really slam on the brakes because he went through his finale type thing with Vera and Krista digging into his psyche. Mm -hmm. And then we started to ramp it back up for the hack. And then we put the brakes on again for Dom and Darlene. And I feel like a car that's just jerking back and forth at red lights really fast. It does feel kind of like a smash cut of two seasons together. It's keeping me on my toes. For sure. Which is the good thing. But I don't know if looking back, the flow of it's going to totally add up. Well, yeah. Just imagine last episode was the end of the season. I think that would have been a perfect cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. What now? What next? What happened to White Rose? What is Elliot going to do now? Is Dom alive? And then opening up with seeing Dom is, is alive. And then everything that transpires, the release of the money, all of this it's kind of like a, a wrap-up of... Let's catch you up where yeah, we left off exactly. last season. What happened to the money? Oh, but we can't forget about Elliot. That's important. So we get this scene of him just looking through and finding the one page of the Washington Township Report. It, it was a little odd. It felt a little bit off to me. And not even just I have questions I want answers to. It's kind of the first episode this season that felt out of place. And I felt a little lost knowing we only have a few to go. I was shocked that we were going to slow down that much, especially because we were wondering what is going to happen with the timing, the calendar, the release of these episodes. There were supposed to be 13, but we didn't think they were going past Christmas. Unless Sam Esmail was playing with real time travel, how is that going to work? Well, we read in an article, this isn't totally confirmed, but I think it's a reliable source. That there well, are... first of all, explain what tweaked us in regards to wondering how many episodes are left. Okay, so we'd been thinking about that all along and looking at the podcast. Time-wise, it doesn't work because 12 episodes takes you up to the 22nd. So going past that is past Christmas. Then we see at the end of this episode, it says only two episodes left. And then I was like, what? And I'm like, did I forget how to count? <laughs> so in this article, they state the series finale will be a two-parter. You will literally get an episode 12 and 13, but back to back. That's going to be a late night. It is starting at nine o'clock that night. Uh, okay. All righty. So this is on the 22nd. And I don't know exactly if it's going to run a full two hours. I'm guessing probably a little short of that. But it's going to be a super long two-part finale. Okay. Which I love, you know, as a creator, if you're about to wrap it up, take as much time as you need. Don't rush it. Well, yeah, but putting them together like that makes me think it could tell us something about the content. I am happy it's going to be done before Christmas. That might extend our release on the final episode for the podcast a little more, just so you are aware. It might come out a little bit later than usual, but it's going to be the very last one ever. So hopefully you'll still stay tuned and we will get you more details about that next time. Let's talk for a second about the origin of our title, Gone, which indicates that the resource requested is no longer available and will not be available again. As we mentioned in the spoiler section last time, this is used when the resource has been intentionally removed and should be purged. Most cases, they don't ask you to do that. Instead, you would just get a 404 not found error. 
the biggest part of this, we had presumed, and that was correct, is about the money. Once Darlene initiates this transfer, there's no going back. It's going out to the people, and then it is gone. Yep. Thanks to E-Corp making it where the government isn't involved in it, right? In the E-Coin wallet, which is how she gets it to them. So there's no taking it back. And as far as we know, it doesn't apply to White Rose's project. We did get some info on that based on one screenshot. And I'm so happy we took the time to slow it down. There was a lot packed into what Elliot found. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. But then finally, you have our last scene between Dom and Darlene. Perhaps missed opportunity, missed relationship, missed connection. We did have some music in this episode outside of the MacQuell scoring. First, The Way You Love Me by Faith Hill, of course, playing on Dom's Alexa in the apartment. <laughs> Wait For Me by Hall & Oates that Leon plays on a tape in the car. Jason, I know you are thrilled about the return of Leon. Absolutely. He's amazing. I love watching him on screen. And this was just a Leon-packed episode. I mean, all of the references he's making. He's watching Land Before Time on <laughs> of TV. Of course he is, right? <laughs> while, while rolling a joint. Yeah. But finally, we had Run Away With Me by Carly Rae Jepsen, where Darlene and Dom are missing each other at the airport. Talk about a perfect score for that section, huh? Yeah. Christina, before we dive into the episode, I know we normally wait to talk about Clatcher comments, but I want to bring up Oren's comment because it changes the possibilities of the way you can view this episode. He writes, another amazing episode from at Sam Asmel. I voted Dom since I believe this ep took place in her mind. It was a dream. It represented everything she wanted to believe in. Her own safety, her family's, her relationship with Darlene, and of course the appearance of Leon and Irving. Irving, whose full name, which Dom doesn't know, is conveniently hidden from the camera on the books. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he wrote a book titled Beach Towel. The beach represents a yearning for vacation. At the end of the episode, she finally falls asleep, possibly representing the end of her coma, dream, and maybe Dom's death. We have seen characters ending their story arc with their death since episode one. So if you perceive this whole episode, and I think towards the end of the season, Sam's leaving enough breathing room and not answering certain questions to allow us to come up with our own thoughts on these things. This possibly could have been a whole dream. I mean, when Irving comes in, he's almost a character of himself. If you think about it, his voice is a little squeakier. Yeah, but he's also playing the consummate salesman here. This is like a, a role, an identity he's taken on that he's wanted to be. I'm a best-selling author now, you know, quote unquote, doing a signing in the airport. I, I see why Oren's coming up with this theory, and I really love the idea. And that's because there is a lot of weird stuff that I want to also bring up. We had another Clatcher write into us about Leon and Irving specifically that just doesn't seem correct. And I don't think they're plot holes. I think there is more there. There's two reasons why I don't think this would be a dream. Knowing that there's really only two episodes left, we don't have that much time. To say that all of this didn't really happen, entire episode, we had that once already this season with Mm -hmm. Dom, that a whole scene was happening that turned out to be a dream that people were sort of frustrated with. Mm -hmm. And I think Esmail has enough of a pulse beat on the audience and how we're going to feel that with such a major wrap up to her character arc with her health, with her family, with Darlene... I don't know that he would do that to us because that that leaves too many questions. That's not just ambiguous. That's we don't know how it ends for Dom really at all. She could be dead. 
I do think it feels rushed, the stuff of her getting out of the hospital. I'm going to go back to, I think that's a byproduct of there was meant to be more time in this season for that story mm-hmm. when there was a fourth and fifth season. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's a little unbelievable that she's up and walking that quickly. Yeah, and I think they, they tried to elongate that a little bit. There was more to the hospital scene in the beginning. There was her at the apartment, which did we really need that? Probably not, but we have to play it out a little that she's still recovering. She just doesn't want to do what she's being told to do. Well, also, she's afraid the Dark Army will get her there. And there's things that perhaps would not be exactly the way Dom would envision it if this was her dream. The stuff that's going on with Darlene, as magnificent as it is for her, for F Society, for us watching, it actually makes Dom nervous. She keeps telling her, you know what you're doing is breaking the law. Fantastic, these people are getting money, but she's paranoid about it. She doesn't really like the fact that Darlene's doing it. She doesn't leave with Darlene in the end which is how I might envision the capper to the Dom dream to go. But again, I do hear what you're saying, that there's some strange stuff going on. Scott wrote in to say some things just didn't add up, especially as it pertained to Dom and Irving. First, I loved having Joey Badass back as Leon, but even I couldn't help wonder if he's up to something sinister. Why does he first tell Dom, have we met, as though he notices her and then later says he doesn't remember what happened at the woodshed? Which I guess you could just chalk up to... He is rolling a blunt while he's doing that. Who knows what's uh-huh. going on with Leon's memory. But he makes some bizarre references throughout. He's not Dark Army. He's a free agent. And yet he has a good handle on a lot of stuff. He's making some deep references. Like you don't really know what the full extent of stuff is. You really think that my real name is Leon. And then we've got Irving later on saying that he's no longer Dark Army. He's taking a break. And yet he's got this inside information enough to tell Dom, don't worry about your family. So Scott goes on. He's got a lot more instances and weird things that are happening throughout. But pretty much, could it be that they are still both Dark Army and they're keeping tabs on things while just telling them we're not after you anymore? You know, put them off their guard type of deal, which winds up working because Darlene doesn't get on the plane. She does go back, presumably, we're thinking to Elliot at the end. And maybe she does. Maybe she is finally okay with being alone. That was her recovering from that panic. Hmm. With the Leon forgetting, um, maybe this is a reach, but I just felt there's a few things there. His ability to get a text message and then pull out the gun and just shoot. No questions, no worries, no qualms. It's not because he's a psycho or he has no mind. We see that he's very smart. He's very caring if he likes you. I think that's um, his coping mechanism of not allowing those files, those times, those moments to save in his frontal cortex you know he digs it he buries it deep also the whole dom situation he was never intimately involved in the dom section irving leon okay you know leon wasn't out there when irving made her the next one in line that wasn't leon's deal it was always about elliot so maybe he just oh 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 yeah that's the chick that was at the barn but she was there when he was killing people and you know, Irving was a central part of that too. And both of them are just kind of brushing it off. Like, mm-hmm. no, you don't need to worry about that anymore. It's like getting out of the mafia. You would not think it's this easy. If they are moving on, Dark Army, what have they moved on to? If they're not just disintegrating because White Rose is no longer there as their figurehead, Irving makes it sound like there's something else. Is there? Is this... Congo. 
so much more important that they're just willing to forget everything that's happening here right now. Yeah, because at this point, to go after Dom's family, to go after Darlene, it's moot. It would now just be a revenge plot. If Congo is still in motion, which I have to believe it, it is, that is going to be so weird if all of a sudden that doesn't matter anymore. If it's still in motion, that's what's important. It's not about getting back or, or redemption. They're too big for that. They're, they, they're done. I think that's the most likely explanation for everything that's happening in this episode. If you didn't go with that central group of people that have to make this go through, everybody else is kind of being left right now. Take a break. See you later. I do think Elliot will still be central to that. And Darlene's going to run into trouble if she does wind up coming back. The reason I think she could is because of that weird reference we got in the last boardroom scene, if you want to call it that. Darlene was the only one to be able to wake him up. That's why we're going to need her. She's going to be key, Mr. Mm. Robot tells Magda. So who knows if that will actually be involved in the White Rose plot line or just with Elliot and what he's dealing with. We don't know how all that's going to come together. But there was some interesting stuff about that scene and those questions that we'll get into in our closer look later on. In the meantime, back here, just a quick check-in on our time clock. While Elliot's reading the Washington Township data from that drive, his laptop reveals it's Friday, December 26th, around 12 o'clock p.m. Later, when Darlene's phone reveals the money transfer, it's 2.09 p.m. And Dom and Darlene's boarding pass indicates that the flight leaves at 6.15 p.m. So this episode pretty much goes from 12 noon till about 6.15. Without further ado, let's jump into our synopsis. We open up in the hospital where the TV reports on the largest and most damning doxy case in history, saying that while only a small percentage of the claims listed in the brief have been substantiated, those were proven to be accurate. Minister Zhang was exposed as the infamous hacker and leader of the Dark Army, known only as White Rose, leading a double life. Trillions of dollars were lost in the cyber attack. Dom watches all this, thinking, he was trying to tell me who he was by showing me the dresses. Mm -hmm. Clearly, based off this news report, the Dark Army has to go undercover, go quiet, or completely go somewhere else because they're on to them. They know that White Rose was the leader of this group and the Dark Army's been responsible for all this stuff happening. And we still don't know exactly where White Rose is, but I'm sure we're going to see that soon. Meanwhile, an FBI man tells Dom that due to her serious crimes, she may come out of this with a record. She's on administrative leave for six months because the OPR hasn't cleared her yet. Her family's in a safe house, but she can't see them. They don't trust her with that information. After he leaves, Dom tells the nurse that, given the fact her surgery went well and they can't legally keep her, she's discharging AMA. You would think she would have breathing problems, at least, or, or at least labored breathing for now. I guess perhaps the surgery repaired it. It was a punctured lung. So if it fixed it, the breathing would be back to normal. It would primarily be that she's got to relax and take it easy, let her body kind of recover. Well, it hasn't even been 24 hours. Yeah. I just, I can't imagine being able to, look, if I go to, if I have to go on a plane, just getting to JFK and getting to the terminal, I'm exhausted. Oh, and the plane is a huge issue. I didn't even think about that, that. High altitude. Right. The pressure difference. Yeah. She might be fine over the normal course of things. We're not going to get into all that. Obviously, the show is saying she's fine. Move past it. But um, some kind of funny scenes here with them just giving her a hard time. The end scene where they wheel her out and stick her in the front of the entrance doors and just leave her there. And she's not 
bundled or anything. No. It's December in New York. It's windy. You see her hair blowing. And I'm like, man, she's got to be freezing. And that door is just opening and closing <laughs> oh, behind I love her. That. <laughs> and Esmel definitely leaned into that for the uncomfortableness. And he made it louder and louder. Yep. And back at her depressing apartment, Dom begins to blockade herself in and make a grilled cheese sandwich. When Darlene comes to insist, they need to get away until everything blows over. This scene is so unbelievable. We make grilled cheese sandwiches, and that is not how you make a yummy grilled cheese sandwiches. Firstly, did she put (laughs) mayo instead of butter on the bread? No, No. It looked like that's what she did, and that's why it was burning. No, it was definitely butter. Because it was a jar. Oh. I didn't notice that. Unless it's like margarine or something? Maybe. You just made it even worse. (laughs) It was white. (laughs) Anyways, that was a joke. But the fact that she, all she wanted was to eat a grilled cheese. I was like, if you just let me come in, I can make you the bombest grilled cheese sandwich (laughs) ever. And the fact that she's saying she doesn't even have time. This is a real luxury that she hasn't had the ability to make. This is one of the quickest meals in history. It just is supposed to illustrate how bad things have truly gotten for her, all coming to a head when Darlene is giving her this speech, trying to convince her, saying she won't have the Dark Army take someone else she cares about. And finally, in an attempt to snap her out of it, she breaks the Alexa, telling her that's not a friend, but a robot that buys her paper towels. There is nothing here for her. And I think that is kind of the first wake-up call. Dom is almost on autopilot, acting like a robot. She's got to be here for her family, yet she's being told she can't see her family. Even when she was seeing her family, they weren't all that close. Mm -hmm. She wants to get back to her job, but she's on administrative leave for six months. What's she going to do? Sit blocked up in this apartment eating grilled cheese for the next six months? So it works, at least. Starlene is able to get her out of there. Meanwhile, Elliot looks at the information he found on the drive that Price gave to him, containing a document about the Washington Township plant. Are you ready? I'm not going to go through all of the wordiness. We did take this down verbatim. But the first thing says they're using a current computing model projected out for the next 15 years. What are they looking at? The anticipated upgrade and relocation of the VLHS in the Congo that will produce a step change for PRISM and MCM. Okay. What is VLHS? It's a VHS, but larger. Are you ready for this? Let's do it. Very Large Hadron Collider. Boom. Come at me. There's no (laughs) sci-fi. Oh, my goodness. Yes, this could be imagined. It could be a dream. We might find out it's not real, but we're actually seeing a report talking about a collider. What episode in the spoilers section did you break it down? Because... I was upset that it was behind the spoilers warning because we know that a lot of people leave before that. So if anybody's interested to hear that now, that was episode 403, this season, Forbidden, towards the end of the podcast, where we say we're going to do our closer look, but we put that one behind the spoiler wall. Now, the next thing, they think this is going to be an upgrade, the one that they're moving to the Congo, and a step change for PRISM and MCM. Now, we can only guess at this because they don't break down what any of these acronyms mean. However, a potential meaning for PRISM, planning tool for resource integration, synchronization, and management. This was a code name for a program used by the NSA to collect internet communications from various U.S. internet programs. In real life. 
In real life, the details were leaked about its existence by Edward Snowden. That's right. So somehow they would be using that to boost PRISM. Well, that makes complete sense. If you remember the episode that opened up about White Rose when she was younger. I say younger. I mean, maybe our age Mm -hmm. by that time. Way more accomplished than we are at that age. But remember I was talking about it. She was able to turn the powers to a new direction, which was the Internet. And that's where the full power is. That's where you can get all the information. They were getting in league with IBM, taking IBM to China for the first time, right? Yeah, that was step one for sure. Yep. Which completely reflects on what Snowden's been talking about as of now. And even Facebook, companies like that, they know everything about us now. Well, yeah. So then their testing ground was the internet in the U.S. so they could get all of this information. Now you're talking about this on an NSA scale and how they would use that communication. So that's the next part. What do they do with that? Maybe that's where MCM comes in. That means medical countermeasures. It's a mission called Platforms for Rapid Integrated Solutions for Medical Countermeasures. Another prism, by the way. So this is why I think this is likely prism and MCM. To apply proven platform technology to streamline these MCMs. The delivery to the warfighter is an army initiatives. By accelerating development to licensure and platform technologies to support a rapid response capability to novel and emerging threats. They're going to weaponize it. Of course. I mean, the internet was born out of the military. Mm -hmm. The cell phone was born out of the military. I mean, so many things started there because money, chunks and chunks of money is put there before it's put anywhere else. Mm. And so part of that was talking about novel medical and technology healing things like that they would be able to give their fighters, their service members Mm -hmm. while out in the field so that they could just heal that much more quickly from whatever they were dealing with. So if that was real life... It would start there. Mm -hmm. And then 20 years later, or maybe 15, who cares? 15, 20 years later, the rich of the rich in regular community will have it. And then eventually people like us would have something similar. They could make money off of it. Yeah. Yeah. They would charge us per minute, though. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like cell phones in the day, back in the day. Now, the next line in the document says the two experiments will upgrade their trigger systems to record five to ten times as many events as they currently do. So this collider that they're developing would be that much better, that much quicker than any they have right now. It will process more than 100 times the number of collisions than it currently does at CERN and other LHC facilities. So CERN, which we talked about, I think, in that spoiler section the one time, their main function is to provide the particle accelerators and other infrastructure needed for high-energy physics research. As a result, numerous experiments have been constructed at CERN through the international collaborations, a big part of that being these LHS, which are Large Hadron Colliders. More recently, though, CERN has become a facility for the development of grid computing, hosting projects including the enabling grids for e-science and LHC computing grid. I don't know what any of that means. So they're moving into the new age, and it sounds as though White Rose's project would be that times 100. These are the largest colliders in existence right now, taking place at CERN, covering some of the most cutting-edge research, technology, scientific experimentation, and whatever's going to the Congo would produce 100 times that result, more powerful than anything we could have imagined. So are there machines in the Congo already that are bigger, better, faster? It sounds like that's her machine. See, I was under the impression she needed to move the machine. Yeah, that she was trying to move there. So why would it make it faster by moving there? 
Oh, I don't think it's that it would make it faster. The the machine already would be. Why do they need to construct it there or move it there or Maybe keep it, it there? I have no idea. Maybe they have a bunch of the new Mac Pros that just came out yesterday. Well, I think it has something to do with whatever they started with at Washington Township, the toxic effects that was producing. I guess because it was so much bigger, you had these byproducts they weren't expecting and people getting ill, people getting cancer. Mm. It was becoming too public, perhaps. It was going to get out there. So they had to go somewhere where there was more space, less... Government. Oversight. Who Mm -hmm. the heck knows? By the way, my bad joke about the Mac Pros is because if you fully equip them, they're over $50,000. Oh, yeah? For a personal computer. That is ridiculous. And that doesn't count their new monitors, which if you get two of them, if you just want the stands to hold them, it's $1,000 each monitor. This is why I'm still (laughs) using one that's however many years old. Back to this article. It says the beam intensity will rise substantially, giving something crossings where the number of discrete proton-proton interactions will rise up to about 200, up from the Washington Township facility. So it is an upgrade from whatever they were doing there. It finishes by saying this has important consequences for the operation of the detectors and for the performance of the software. Now, there was a line there, something like perhaps reconstruction software, which would make sense if they need to kind of take this apart to move it. And then when they get it there, it's being upgraded. The software, whatever it is that they're doing to it, it's going to be bigger and better and they anticipate larger results. Not entirely sure, but that's what we're reading between the lines right now. Now to finish this off, Jason, what the heck do we know about particle accelerators and hadron colliders? <laughs> Nothing really except what we've been researching. So to all of you clatchers out there, if you have more information or if there's something else that you caught based on this article, please feel free to write in and let us know. Let's go back to what's happening in the episode. Waiting outside of a motel, Darlene and Dom arrive and they find Elliot. Darlene sends Dom inside so that she can stay and talk to him. She thinks he's not coming with them, is he? Elliot says he needs to go back to Washington Township and Darlene can't come this time. She agrees, saying this is it for her. She's done now. All the money has been passed through multiple crypto tumblers and shell accounts and should be completely untraceable, ready to go out. She's going to allow him to do it, but he says it's her win, not his. She asks if he's sure he doesn't want to come, but he says he's not done yet. So they hug and say goodbye for now. It does sound, as you were saying before, as though she's telling Elliot, that's it for me. Even when she comes back, decides not to take that flight, perhaps she doesn't go on from here to the final steps. But maybe she'll be there for after the steps where Mm -hmm. we're assuming we see the light in regards to everything Elliot. I think that's true, especially because of this last line. Right? Very foreboding. They hug, and they both mention how they've never been on a road trip before. You know, Darlene is kind of excited to do this. Now, in that 80s, 90s sitcom episode we got, I could be mistaken, but weren't they all in the car, the family, going on a road trip somewhere? I believe so, but um, we're we're digging many shows of podcasting back, so I'm forgetting the details. But uh, I believe that we all knew that this wasn't reality. Yeah, the, the stuff in that episode was very, like, there was some truth to it, but it was all mixed together. It was kind of a bit of a dream sequence they were showing us. Or a trip. I just think it's interesting that they're calling back to that now mm. and that it could show importance to some of those scenes. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I just remember Alf was there. 
<laughs> That's true. <laughs> While they're talking inside the motel room, Dom finds Leon watching Land Before Time. Love it. He doesn't remember the barn scene initially. And Dom wonders what is going on here. Is he Dark Army? But he says no. He's there to help his boy Elliot. Just a gun for hire. I mean, it's like I always say, gotta keep an open mind at every opportunity that comes your way. You've seen that one movie, Three Days of the Condor, right? Dude, you've never seen Three Days of the Condor and you're a fucking FBI agent? You gotta check that out. And normally I don't go for that 70s paranoia shit. But I don't know, this one, this one really spoke to me. You know, maybe it was when my boy Jubair says, I don't interest myself in the why. I think more often in terms of the when, sometimes where, but always how much. I fucking felt that. Got me opening up my eyes to diversify my revenue streams and whatnot. He's talking about Three Days of the Condor. I don't know if you're familiar. No, I'm not as learned as him. <laughs> well, this is about a bookish CIA researcher who comes back from lunch, discovers all of his co-workers murdered, and tries to outwit those responsible until he figures out who he can really trust. In that, Max Van Sydow from Game of Thrones, his character is Joubert, the man who led the massacre. Now, I never saw this, so I can't speak from personal experience, but clearly Leon feels some connection to this character. He's decided this is the smart thing to do. In fact, it opened up his eyes to diversifying his revenue streams. He's even wondering about an LLC. Should I do an LLC or a C Corp? <laughs> it's at this point Darlene comes back in and says to Dom, Oh shit, I forgot to tell you, he's working with us now. So they head out on the drive. While Darlene is sleeping in the back, Leon puts in his tape, Hall and Oates. Again, I love it. Like, <laughs> you just wouldn't imagine that's what he wanted to hear. Well, of course, and even what he's continuing to spout on and on about, believe it or not, Connecticut is swarming with Dark Army. Given the concentration of RWAs, what's that? Rich white assholes. (laughs) That's why they're staying off the main roads and sticking to the scenic route. She also misses his reference to Vonnegut, here being breakfast of the champions, and a reference to Trout's phrase, steal a mirror, which actually means to take a leak. So we got to pull over at a rest stop translation. So Oren wrote about this as well. He wrote, Leon refers to taking a leak as mirror. In Kurt Vonnegut's universe, mirrors are links between parallel universes. Or leaks. Take a leak could also mean hop into another universe or in and out of Dom's dream. So when he went to the bathroom, it could mean he went to another universe or something. You know, he could be a part. Going back to what you were saying, Leon and Irving is, um, it's kind of weird the way they're acting. Well, maybe he's on a sabbatical in this universe, maybe? You know what I mean? Mm, like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're saying, you know, the Dark Army, how can you just come in and out as a gun for hire? Well, maybe they're coming in and out of that universe as a gun for hire, but they work for the Dark Army somewhere else. Maybe they're so cavalier about killing people because this isn't the real. This is a different universe to them or this is a program to them. Hmm. Look, if I was well, it's working... Well, going back to the simulation theory, right? Because that could be yes, too, without even I mean. saying parallel universes, they're just players that are aware they're in a simulation, whereas some of our other characters are not. Right. Again, hearkening back to what I was saying about Leon, he seems like such a cool dude. Having regular conversations with him, if he likes you, you're like, wow, he's a good guy. Now, I know there's bad guys that in real life that act like that, act like good guys. Mm -hmm. So I'm not being naive about this, but it would make sense that, yeah, he is a good guy in real life. 
this is a simulation he can kill. It's a game. Because it doesn't mean shit. Yeah. yeah. I think that's more likely than the parallel universes thing. I think that's Sam Esmail having a bit more fun. Absolutely. And I, I, I want to thank Oren for all these. Well, and if White Rose is developing this project that somehow utilizes that technology and she is trying out a new machine that's more powerful, that is something that could potentially have great value to her, mm. but also serious consequences... There might be some very negative side effects to that. It could even potentially permanently mess with your mind, your psyche. And maybe we keep trying to find out what the link is between that and Elliot. Maybe it is fracturing his mind to go through this experience. Perhaps. Or maybe Esmail's just loving messing with everybody. That could also be a point <laughs> we need to consider. Just throw in this book and it'll make everyone think this. So, uh, <laughs> let me put in uh, well, this is Back intense. to the Future. No, I just wanted to drop some Vonnegut. I mean, listen to us. We're talking about parallel universes again. We're also talking about time travel before. There's so many things that you could talk about. I mean, Trela, one of our clatchers via Facebook wrote to us and said, I just finished Breakfast of Champions. Now I am wondering if Sam Esmail himself is the other one, quote unquote. Since Vonnegut writes himself in at the end of the book as one of the characters, there is a scene where he is the third one in a bar with his two main characters. So same story. And we have a different Clatcher who can come up with a different theory mm-hmm. based off of that. We had talked about that, too. I just um, I have a lot of difficulty with the Sam Esmail being that person. Yeah, we, we, I, I we don't know that, yeah. that that's going to fit quite right. But there is absolutely a lot happening here. Everyone that's picking up on the Leon stuff and the Irving stuff, why is that strange? I do think you're correct. There's more between the lines that is going to make sense to us later. More between the protons. Yeah, that too. In the meantime, let's go back to Dom at the rest stop is checking out her new passport, her new identity of Jackie Doublehorn. Born 1985, so she's supposed to be a year younger than we are. Mm-hmm. Maybe, I guess. (laughs) Um, She's from Illinois. She remembers Leon telling her that Jackie is whoever she wants her to be. That's, by the way, when she said, well, it's more difficult pretending to be someone you're not. And Leon said, you think that's my real name? But she's trying to come up with this backstory. Jackie was a pastry chef. She liked to listen to Hall & Oates. And as she emerges from the rest stop, her and Darlene watch all the people, probably on their way back after the holidays, back to the grind. And Darlene says she wants to show her something. They go and sit on a bench in the middle of the crowd. Darlene says she wants to take in the moment and then shows Dom her phone as she completes the transfer. Dom is getting anxious, but Darlene quickly kisses her to shut her up and tells her to just watch. This is when people start to get alerts on their phone, shocked. All the money White Rose has been stealing for decades just went back to the people. They found a way to evenly disperse it anonymously into everyone's e-coin wallets. Due to E-Corp's insistence that E-Coin remain independent from the U.S. dollar, it's completely impossible for them to reverse the transactions. Again, Dom is trying to point out they have laws for a reason. This is illegal. This is stealing. After what the Dark Army did to you? Fuck, after what they did to everyone, you really want to start defending that? This isn't what justice is supposed to look like. We have laws for a reason. And they were so powerful, they wrote the laws to benefit themselves. They got away with everything because they banked on us, all of us, to trust the system. That was our vulnerability and they took advantage of it. It took this to finally stop them. And you were a part of it. Look around. This is it. Everything we've been through led up to this one moment. 
the greatest redistribution of wealth in history. We just Robin Hooded those evil motherfuckers. If you ask me, this is exactly what justice looks like. Now, if this was a dream of Dom's, I think that still makes sense. So Dom's acting like she thinks she would. This is illegal, but Darlene says the perfect thing that makes it over it. Mm-hmm. That you want to embrace it. Exactly. And then she also gets some money, too. I want to know exactly how much. I know. They never <laughs> tell us that. And also, did she take any more for herself? Which, given the way Elliot and Darlene are, you wouldn't think so. But she makes an offhand reference later that she won't really tell Leon exactly what they took. That's right. I like that. Because Leon presumably got some too. I mean, I think everyone who has a e-wallet. You would think every single person that does e-coin. So I'm assuming that was Leon's pay. Gun for hire. Oh, he might have gotten more on top of that. Maybe. I want to say this was probably my favorite part of the episode. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful for many reasons. One of which is a lot of Sam Esmail's scenes, which I truly enjoy, are very tight. Um maybe claustrophobic to some points. Even the way he frames his characters, bottom left corner, bottom right corner, it's a little, it's tight. It brings tension. There's a lot of energy between the negative space there. We learned that in art school. To the rooms, with the darkness, the light, lighting, everything feels overwhelming. This was a scene where everything was open. There was a lot of people, but there was so much space. Open air, Everyone's happy. It's a day after Christmas. I think that's exactly what they needed. Well, and this is their first real win. We mentioned last time that every single time it feels like they've gotten somewhere with their mission with F Society, there's been blowback. It turns out bad things happen to people. They made the economy and the state of everyone's situation even worse. And then the 5-9 hack led to so many deaths. I mean, they didn't mean for any of that to happen, but we haven't gotten to see payoff the way they've imagined this, that they would Robin Hood them. That's what Darlene says. Take from the wealthy and be able to give it back to everyone. This is a moment where they can. And it ends with Leon dropping them at the airport. He asks Darlene here if she kept any of it. She doesn't say. So he tells her if she's looking to get into adventures, when she gets back, she can look him up. She says she's laying low for a bit, but she'll think about it. And he replies, cool, till the next episode then. Now, I might be reaching here, but as soon as he said till the next episode, knowing that he's always quoting, I was thinking Dr. Dre. One of his more popular songs, he says, till the next episode. Oh, you're probably right. Also, just a meta comment from Esmail. Ah. We'll find out soon. (laughs) (laughs) Well, lastly, we have our airport scenes. Dom looks at a rack of books. She sees Beach Towel in the store when she runs into Irving himself. Hey! He offers to sign a copy. And seeing Darlene outside, he wonders uh, if the two of them are a thing now. I know I picked up on something. Please don't hurt us. Hurt you? Why, Why would I hurt you? Because I... I disobeyed orders. I killed my handler. Ow! She was a pain in the ass. Trust me, you were doing them a favor. And, and your little loudmouth friend over there? Yeah, well, what she did was a bad thing, but, well, word around camp is they don't care about you two no more. What do you mean? They picked up and skedaddled off to something more important. Where? That I can't tell you. 
But all those things you said you were going to do to my family. No one cares about your family now. Look, like I'm telling you, the Dark Army is not something you need to worry about no more. And look, if they wanted to get to you two, I would know about it. Trust me. But, but I, I saw you butcher Santiago with an axe when he got out of line. Yeah. That was fun. He can't say where. Yeah, that's key. Not what, mm-hmm. but where. They literally moved on somewhere else. It's got to be the Congo. Mm-hmm. The Dark Army isn't something she needs to worry about. If it were, he would know about it, which is also weird, as we mentioned. If he's not involved with them, why would he be so privy to all of this inside information and what they're doing with Dom and her family now? But Dom is relieved by this. She goes out and tells Darlene they don't have to run anymore. This crushes Darlene, who is upset because she wanted to go with Dom. Oh, yeah, you see the panic in her eyes. Even if it's not just about getting away. I mean, she suggests they should go. They should go to Budapest anyway. Cisco always talked about going. But after everything, she just couldn't bring herself to go alone. Dom thinks she can't do this, and Darlene tries to convince her it would be good. Plus, she can't do this on her own. She's no good on her own. She never has been. Dom hugs her goodbye and gives her the number of U.S. Cyber Command contact <laughs> for a job that could be waiting when she comes back. Two job offers. Yeah. For Darlene. I mean, that'd be the last thing she'd want to do. It's just another weird, kind of neat conclusion. She gets an offer from Leon if she wants to stay with that side of adventurous things. She gets an offer from Dom if she decides to go straight. Like, is that reality in this world? Well, I mean, the offer from Leon, for sure, it's reality. They need someone like her. And the offer from Cyber Command, actually, yeah, it is reality. You know how often the U.S. government hires ex-hackers? I'm just saying that everything gets so neatly tied up in a bow right Mm. at the end here. It does lend to the disbelief a little bit. Especially in Sam Asmel's world. Yeah. You're right. But I do really like what's happening here. These are kind of the moments I was referencing that feel real to me. The emotion going back and forth between Dom and Darlene. They're both really torn about this, but Dom has kind of made that decision. She walks away from her. I kept thinking about the fact that for some reason, airport bars, drinks taste better there. Probably because you need them more. Maybe that's it. You're so anxious to get on that plane. that's what it is. (laughs) It's like a mental reprieve from all this mayhem that's going around. Yeah, it also feels kind of isolated. Like you're, you're in another world. You're not in this chaotic crazy airport. Darlene maybe could have used a few more though. She tries to board, but as she's about to give the lady her ticket, she has a panic attack and runs to the bathroom, just missing Dom, who ran back to get on the plane. Okay, I was freaking out at that moment. I didn't know what I wanted. I don't know if I'd like it better if they both met up or if the conclusion that we got. I don't know what I'd like better, but I was freaking out saying, they're going to miss each other. They're going to miss each other. I was freaking out because I don't like this trope at all. And I get that it's a direct call out to romantic comedy tropes where you're just missing each other. And then normally you'd get that happy ending, Mm -hmm. something that would bring them together. But I do like the way it ends that they don't do that. That Dom, the one who actually needs the break, needs the adventure, has to get away from this life. There's nothing keeping her here right now. And now she has money. She's probably not safe here right now, and she might not get another opportunity such as this. She takes that up, and it seems to be the right choice because as soon as the plane takes off, she falls asleep. Yeah. She's able to rest for the first time. Or she's dead now. 
like Oren said. Could be, but if so, that also means in her mind, mm-hmm. she had these last couple of moments of peace where sure. everything got to play out to a conclusion. Exactly. Stupid question, stupid semantics that don't mean anything. In Budapest, does e-coin work? I, I can't remember. I feel like they said this was going international. Maybe it's more of a standard in the U.S., but accepted in other places. I wonder. And then lastly, more importantly, she's under investigation. The minute she leaves, leaves. So as soon as the plane takes off, she can't come back, right? I mean, it's... She's got a fake ID. You don't think the FBI will be looking for her? (laughs) I mean, they did say she's on leave for six months. So she's there for a couple of weeks. Probably not. I guess not. Maybe I was thinking if you're under investigation, you have to be around. But maybe not. You do need to be for key events. Like they continue to call you and tell you when things are happening. And so I don't know. But the point is, it's the first time in her life she's not letting herself worry about that. Of course. Yeah. Which is the big thing. And Darlene, who really was trying to run in order to solve her problem and actually needed to be the one to stay and deal with it and say, I can be on my own here. Mm -hmm. I don't have to go to Budapest. I don't have to be in a new relationship with somebody. I I can just be with myself and be okay. She was finally able to come to that conclusion. Mm -hmm. She looks herself in the mirror and says, I got to take care of myself and I can, I can do this. Uh, How annoyed were you with that woman in the bathroom with her? I was like, shut up, leave her alone. I was actually happy because if this, if you see somebody in real life, yeah. You know they're having a panic attack. I think my issue the was kindness like, of strangers. Like, that's true. I think for me, I was like, you're stalling her. Yeah. <laughs> Let her get her shit together so maybe she can get to the plane on time. You're meant to feel that anxiety, but she's not supposed to get to that plane. Yeah. Well, and that's where we leave it for the episode. Again, not a lot of new information because we did slow it way down here. There was some very interesting stuff to dig into with that Washington Township report. And maybe or maybe not (laughs) the actual ending to the Dom and Darlene story. Hey, Clatchers, we want to take this opportunity to let you know, if you haven't seen it already, last year's bonus, our holiday special bonus, is out. It's on the Mr. Robot channel and our main channel, Coffee Clatch Crew. If you're wondering what our bonuses are like, that's your perfect opportunity. It's there for you. You can give it a try. And you'll see how we take themes and we do research and we give you facts or at least what's known as fact as of now. And what I mean by that is, you know, we could talk about dinosaurs and how they were made extinct and how we get oil. And then 10 years from now, the fact has changed and Mm -hmm. it's no longer oil is no longer just from fossils. (laughs) And now we know that most dinosaurs came from birds. Yeah. That was another bonus episode though. Exactly. Yeah. That's a different jump. That's not about this bonus. This bonus, of course, is all about the holidays. Perfect time to listen. Listen with your family, your friends, or just yourself if you want to find out the history of Christmas. How did this holiday originate? Where did it come from? And where did all the traditions come from? Such as, why do we have candy canes at this time of year? Why does Santa look the way he does? Why does he come down the chimney? And what about that Santa tracker? Why is it linked to NORAD? You'll find answers to all of that and more. We have a great time. We hope you enjoy. So if you like that and you want to help Christine and myself out, look, the reality is we put a lot of time and effort into these podcasts. We also have real jobs during the day. So we come home, we start recording, we do the editing, we get as much done as well as we can with the little amount of time we have. And all we need is just a little bit of help. So for $3, $5, 
And as much as $10 a month, you can ensure that Christina and myself are able to do this for years to come. We also know that the holidays are a tough time of the year where finances are concerned. So feel free to give it a try at the lower levels. Maybe the $1, the $3 will get you coffee breaks. Definitely the way to start, in my opinion. The bonuses are at the $5 level. And at the highest tier, the movie tier, if you're interested in checking that out, some of our more recent coverages included Gerald's Game, It 2, El Camino, and Dr. Sleep. Plus, we will probably also have something fun for the month of December. If you're not able to do that, but you do like what you hear, feel free to head on over and give us a rate and review on whatever platform you're listening. A big shout out to Scott from Chicago for your five-star review. Hands down the best Mr. Robot podcast out there. Ah, Thank you, man. Thank you so much. It's great to have you. Coming back to episode 410, let's get to the good stuff, Jason. On a scale of one to 10, what is your robot rating? I think some people are going to kill me for this. I did enjoy watching this episode, but the whole time I felt confused a little bit. Like, I wasn't prepared for this type of episode. So I'm going to go 8.3. But it didn't lack the Sam Asmel magic. It didn't lack the cinematography that we love or the amazing score. I think it's just, uh, I was just having a mental 409 conflict. (laughs) Yeah, well, this rating makes sense for you, Jason. 406, not acceptable with the bully and little bitch story. You gave an 8.4. I gave an 8. That was our, one of our lower ones and request timeout 408 at the Queens Museum, the key episode. You gave an 8.6 and again, me an 8. I liked it a little less than those episodes. I guess there was so minimal Elliot information. There was no White Rose. And I haven't been as invested in the Dom Darlene storyline. It's interesting to me, but like I said, as an earlier in the season thing. So I'm actually going to go to a 7.5. Now remember, the explanation about the professor thing last time, this is still a B plus. So I mean, B plus, that ain't that bad. It's not. And we're not saying it was a bad episode but we just have to grade it on itself. So if Mr. Robot's so good at times, you know, it's battling itself at this point. In my opinion, the weakest we've gotten this season. Now, this has been a stellar season of Mr. Robot, probably shaping up to be my favorite. I always said nothing can compare to season one, and there are still elements of season one that are original, as with any season one of a show. But I think it's it is quickly stepping it up, as Lewis said last time, to, to take the winner as far as best season. I like the fact that they brought Leon in. I thought that was very promising. Uh, one could say, but he just drove. But you have to remember how on guard they are. Elliot is thinking the Dark Army's definitely after them. And he wants his sister to get out alive. Who better to travel with than Leon? Well, and how sweet of Elliot. He is about to probably go on to some really dangerous stuff. He's completely by himself. And instead of taking Leon with him, he sends him with Dom and Darlene. A real act of brotherly love there that I appreciate. But I was more excited, of course, because you've been the Leon man. I appreciated Irving. So I thought it was great to see him back. Just so nonchalant and signing his books. Thinks it's the greatest thing since sliced bread to be doing that at an airport. (laughs) You gotta love it. Well, Bobby Cannavale is one of my favorite actors. So just having him on screen was so exciting. so good. Well, speaking of good, let's talk about who was the goodest this episode. <laughs> the goodest MBH? Every week after the episode, we ask our Clatchers via Twitter, at CKC Podcast. If you don't have a Twitter yet, just get a Twitter to join the CKC Podcast. It's really fun over there. We definitely write more and interact more over at CKC than the other social media. 
But anyways, the goodest this week is Darlene, Dom, Leon, and Elliot. Coming in last place with 9% is Elliot. Of course, he was only in there briefly, but he did have key moments very selflessly letting them go. Um, He has plans. He seems confident again. I actually thought two of the most key moments of the episode were Elliot sending Leon to help his sister, saying, I got this because it's best for me to go alone, and then finding that info about Washington Township. I mean... There you go again, talking about the key. You're so obsessed with this key. Which is... Which has an E on it. It's for his bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) Coming in third place with 21% was Dom. Well, good on her to, to make the decision. The one that's right for her. Turn around, run up those stairs, and get on that plane. And as we said, no matter which ending, real or not, dream state, it's still perhaps the best ending that we could get for Dom here and still have it feel realistic. Yeah. And pack light. <laughs> Seriously. Does she have anything? I don't think I so. I didn't even think about that. And in second place, my boy Leon with 24%. I mean, more screen time than we've gotten with Leon for a while, but still pretty minimal to rack in those points. Everybody just loves seeing him on screen. Always love to see him wax poetic. But coming in first place for the second week in a row is Darlene with 46%. Just missing out on her last win, which was 50%. You know, I'm going to have to agree. This is nowhere near the stuff she had to pull off last time to make this hack go through. But she got Dom to safety. Ultimately, she realized this isn't what she needed. And it probably wasn't the right thing for both of them. What she had to do was find a way to move on alone. It seems like not completely living her life for Elliot and his mission, maybe for Elliot, her brother, by the end, but just figuring out who she is. How does she move on from all of this? And also getting that amazing win moment. Elliot tells her, this is your time. You should be the one to do the transfer. And she gets to have that, where she is yelling. In the middle of that, I mean, just so classic Darlene, right? That sums it all up in one scene. You know what? I'm going to go Darlene as well. I really wanted to go Leon just because I'm team Leon, but I'm hoping he comes back to help Elliot out in these next scenes. Maybe Elliot is waiting for him at the motel. I didn't think about that. That's what I'm hoping. Uh, But more specifically, to build off of what you've already said, and I may be wrong here, but I believe this is the most we've gotten out of Darlene as far as her insecurities, Mm. her character flaws, besides, you know, sometimes... Uh, diving into the drugs. She would always have her lapses where she totally falls apart, drinks a lot, does a lot of drugs, gets a little crazy. But we never heard her talk about her weaknesses as far as I've never been alone. I can't be alone. I can't do things by myself. The reality is she can do things by herself. She doesn't know what to do with herself if she doesn't have Elliot there to take care of. That's what it really means. Yeah, because the reality is that She also went through all this stuff as a kid. Now, we don't know specifically if she was abused or how much she was aware of Elliot's abuse, but this was still a terrible household. She had her own sufferings and struggles. But we're starting to get the inkling that she doesn't remember either. Right. So she's got trauma going on there. And then she spent however many of the last adult years of her life trying to deal with Elliot's issues. Mm We saw how hard this hit her with the loss of Angela, and she had to just keep moving forward because of this mission. Yeah. She's got these severe panic attacks. Darlene needs a minute (laughs) to to breathe and put herself back together. So I'm really glad that hopefully she's going to be doing that. But more importantly, I just said inkling. (laughs) 
Did you really? Yeah, good, instead good, of inkling. Good job. Is this like learned? It is. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's see what our Clatchers had to say about MVH. Kirk says, after 407's gut-wrenching breakthrough, 408's horrors of Janice, 409's tension-filled takedown, I needed a bit of levity in my robot watching. And we had just the guy to deliver it. Leon, you the man, bro. Kirk, you're so old. <laughs> <laughs> Melly said maybe we'll get a spinoff with Leon and find out what his real name is. Oh, that'd be really fun. Oh, Jason's dying for that. I kind of think this might have been it for Leon. No. And Irving. Be more, damn it. Well, Irving for sure. Yeah. And mirroring thoughts first from Melly saying, so we spent the whole episode watching two people go to the airport. Uh, season could have been so much shorter. And Scott Davis says, agree, didn't move forward enough plot-wise. We are really cutting it so goddamn close, as Mr. Robot would say. The whole Boston Marathon airport ending was masterfully done, though, and had me on the edge of my seat. You know, we agree with all that, and we were talking about the taking a break and the mixed seasons, perhaps. It still wasn't a bad episode, despite all that. I, you know, I do have pacing issues because of the entirety of the season, but each one kind of taken on its own is still great television. Absolutely. And I want to reiterate one more time. If this was the beginning of a season five, this I would have been like, what a great way to start a season, you know? Yeah. Kate says, at first, I was pretty conflicted on this episode, but ultimately decided to let go and enjoy it for what it was. I love that Dom went back for Darlene, but stayed herself. I love that Darlene found strength within herself to know she would be okay. As far as certain story beats, such as Irving randomly maybe, being at the airport. I'm not sure go. at this point in this series if I'm meant to read into that or simply take it on face value. With this show, it's probably the former. That's yeah. what I love about this world that Sam has created. We don't know who is the unreliable narrator anymore. It's even to the point where I'm wondering, am I the unreliable watcher? <laughs> she also says, only Sam Esmail can have a swelling pop song playing in the background and make me believe everything's going to be okay for a fleeting moment, then break my heart, then stomp on it with the cut to black over airport engine sound. <laughs> yeah, but how kind of ominous was that moment? You sort of knew it was coming when Dom got to the very end of the security checkpoint mm -hmm. and it was saying no re-entry after this point or, or well, I was basically this is a huge decision you're making. I was hoping we'd have Mr. Bean there to delay <laughs> the closing of the gates. Darlene could come running back through yeah. for one last kiss. Oh, I forgot my ticket. <laughs> Excuse me. Deep cut for Patreons. Regarding the votes, Scott says, Dom for leaving the hospital and getting on the flight. Loved Irving cameo, but surprised DDP took his words at face value. Hashtag Dom lean ending heartbreaking. Still so much to find out in the final episodes. We're running out of time, as Price would say. And that's exactly what I mean. We have some clatchers, including myself, who are wondering, including yourself too. Mainly me. Yeah, mainly you. <laughs> who are wondering... Are they still working for the Dark Army? This seems too... Oh, oh, okay. So yeah, that I'm wondering, but really it was the we're running out of time thing. Oh yeah, running out of time for sure. But you know, just like there's Irving in a airport. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm uh, selling a book and I'm With really happy. worst title ever. Beach Towel. Oh, and Lord. it features themes of political corruption and income inequality. <laughs> yeah, that is a bestseller. I mean... Listen, there's good books and about, about things like that. And strangling your mother, right? I think so, yeah. <laughs> I mean... Oh, yeah, he says that. My goodness. Eduardo says, Darlene was the person of the night again. 
Like the moment when the phones were vibrating with the videos. Yeah, with the uh, alert about the money. Mm. Yeah, it was very inspirational. It was like, we win. Warren says, also, what was up with Irving's voice? Was that higher? <laughs> was that a higher tone put on? See? That's yeah. what you said. Yeah. I it just, just felt like... It felt to me like he was just slipping into that persona. But I, I don't know, because the whole thing was so off. Uh, Joe Bain says, seriously? They see a dark army operative at the airport and just take his word for it that they don't care anymore, even if it turns out true. How would they not freak out over that? Didn't find myself really enjoying this episode. It, there was something, I think, again, it, not that it was a bad episode. It was just the timing of it. But also these inconsistencies that people are saying, like, what's up with these coincidences or are these plot holes? I, I have to believe there is more meaning to that because it feels like a lot Yeah, that it would be weirdly. It's something we don't understand yet. Yeah. It's, it's Sam's got a plan for it. I'm just not sure what that is. Gil says Irving for me for hacking Dom into buying his book. So true. You got to pay for it. I signed for it. (laughs) I love that. By the way, I love how many responses we're getting. This is great. Well, here's the other side of it. Jillian says, it's so funny to me to hear about people thinking this was a slow or boring episode. Because as a frequenter of Reddit, well aware of the Dom Darlene plane crash theories, I was losing my mind the whole episode. So stressful. Um, okay, we're on Reddit a lot, but I don't know the plane crash theories. I wish I'd seen this ahead of time. I tried to start looking it up now and it goes too deep back on Reddit. I can't get to the original theory. So if you guys could just write in somebody that's aware or we'll try to look it up for next episode what that plane crash theory is. Yeah, it's pretty amazing that someone came up with that theory. We saw some screenshots. We just paused for a second. We saw some screenshots of like model airplanes in the background. Darlene scenes where it's in the imagery. Yeah, but, but wow. Amazing if someone on Reddit was talking about a plane crash. Well, but so, <laughs> Jillian, I guess if you're people like us that don't know about those theories, maybe it's less intense or exciting because we weren't really looking for that. Yeah, sorry about that. But she also says MBH to Leon for the Vonnegut references. Derek says, I love this episode because it gave us real closure for Darlene and Dom. That's such a rare thing to get from TV these days. Will we see Darlene again? Probably in order to close out Elliot's story, but even if we don't, it feels like a proper send-off. Agreed and agreed. Yeah, I'm going to say no to Dom, but yes to Darlene. Ben says, not sure anyone deserves MBH. No part of this episode felt natural. I'm finding myself eye-rolling a lot this season with preposterous things happening. Last week was such a strong episode. This week I was back to eye-rolling. I will say Dom and Darlene did the right thing at the end, though. Again, I'm, I'm wondering if that's from some of the issues we talked about or the weirdness of what's up with these Dark Army references. Like we said, we're giving it a lot of credit to it will have an answer later on. I probably will be very frustrated if it feels like it doesn't or if we do go the it was all a dream route. So, I mean, we'll see where they take things. Well, and lastly, Leviona says, voted for Leon here simply because I couldn't bring myself to care for the rest of the episode. My inner white rose got slightly annoyed by the amount of valuable season time wasted on two people in the airport. But it was still a good episode in general. It just fell a little short in comparison with all the outstanding episodes we've already gotten this season. She mirrors, no pun intended, mirrors exactly what we're saying. That's exactly how we felt, yeah. It's a beautiful episode. Just the timing of it, where it's located, knowing that this is the final season, has got us on tilt a little bit. And coming on the heels of some of the other episodes. Trela says, it's so cool that Audible is sponsoring the podcast. 
You suggested to listen to the Magician series, just as I was finishing listening to the second book. Excellent series. I just used this month's credit to buy Breakfast of Champions by Kurt Vonnegut on Leon's suggestion. That's Mm. amazing. Oh, my goodness. It's read by John Malkovich. Oh, shit. She says, I highly recommend to Mr. Robot fans. You can clearly see Vonnegut's influence on the show's themes of the evils of modern capitalism and the idea that humans are machines driven by their chemicals, like demons, to madness or drug abuse. Fans might also like Lolita, of course. It's a chilling book with an unreliable and sinister narrator, brilliantly read by Jeremy Irons. Wow. Fight Club is a short, gripping, darkly humorous book that is an obvious influence on the show on several levels. We've only got two more episodes to watch, and these books will help me get through my Mr. Robot jonesing when it's all over. Wow, so thank you so much, Trayla. All right, so we have a few more books that we got to listen to. And Clatchers, it's not too late. Our promo code still works. They're not paying us for this episode, but it'll help to get them back on board if you guys sign up. Just use our special offer for 53% off your first three months. Just go to audible.com forward slash CKC or text CKC to 500-500. I got some reading to do or listening to do. So don't leave yet. We will tell you when we're about to get to the spoilers section. First, let's go into our closer look. Now, this is about last episode, the infamous new boardroom scene with Magda, Mr. Robot, and the boy. There was an amazing Reddit post that I wasn't aware of. So thank you to UpMySTT, I think. That's the name of the Reddit user. They posted that room that we see them all enter is taken directly from Fraser's dissociative table, an influential technique for treating DID that was developed by George Fraser in 1991. Now, I wasn't aware that this technique was also sort of altered and called the table and used with dissociative identity disorder. I know that there are influences in Gestalt therapy where we do something called the empty chair technique. Uh, that is similar and apparently incorporated into this, but it's elaborated for the purposes of DID. So these are words straight from the abstract of the paper that this guy wrote. It says that the table technique offers a way to allow clients to recognize internal ego states and to structure and control switching and internal communication. You teach the person to facilitate first interaction of these alters, then to integrate and eventually join or fuse the dissociated ego states into a consistent sense of self brought about by cooperation and co-awareness. So you get them to talk to each other, communicate with each other, and then hopefully move towards this integration we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. To begin, you say to clients, I want you to close your eyes. And before we go to the table, imagine yourself in a safe, relaxing place. Mm -hmm. I do this all the time, guided imagery. So you go to the beach or the mountaintop, wherever you get into a safe place. Then you continue... I would now like you to change this image and imagine yourself in a safe room. Inside of this room is a table. Around the table are chairs. One chair is for you. The other chairs are for those who play a role in your internal life. Now, tell me who you see in the other chairs. Next, I would like you to look towards the door. This is if you feel all of the altars aren't there yet. And invite the others quote unquote, to enter the room and take a seat. At this stage, the therapist waits in expectation and is generally rewarded by at least a few reluctant inner members who come to the table. For example, there may be seven empty chairs, but only three ego states decide to come to the table. You then say, that's good. And when the others feel safe to enter, they can come too when they feel ready. 
And then you lead to a discussion in that room around the Mm -hmm. table between those people. So I did not even realize that was a variation on this technique, which is amazing. An actual psychological way that you work with dissociative identity disorder being pictured in imagery that we're seeing on screen in Mr. Robot. That is 1,000% what's happening here. Absolutely. So what we were saying back in the beginning of the season, wouldn't it be crazy if he's actually in a session right now? Could be possible. Yeah, or just using that technique that he's learned before. Something is happening where inner parts of his mind are coming to the table to sit down and communicate. Then I find interesting that the first two easiest to get in there were Magda and the little boy. Mm -hmm. Then Mr. Robot. And then there's this other one who's proving very difficult to, to come sit down here and talk with us. The empty chair technique that we use is a little bit different, but you would picture somebody who's not here with us in the room. Now, that could be parts of yourself. That could be somebody you want to talk to, let's say a loved one who's passed away or somebody you're no longer in communication with. You would look at that empty chair in the room and speak to that. Imagine that person was there and what you would say to them Mm -hmm. in order to resolve these issues kind of in your own mind that you haven't been able to. So a similar theory here, except that we really get the ego states present, working together and communicating together. If we end the season that way with this talk happening and that interaction happening, I think that's brilliant and I'm happy with that. But either way, I wanted to give a huge shout out to that Reddit user because that was pretty amazing. And somebody tweeted to us the link on Reddit to say, if we're not already aware of it, please go check it out. I don't know who that person was. Write at me again on Twitter and I'll give you a huge shout out next episode. I'm so sorry about that. Well, that's a double-edged sword. It's great. Once one of our channels start doing well, we get more and more comments and emails and it gets harder and harder to be personable with every single person but we are reading every single one but then you can't remember where did they all come from yeah exactly (laughs) and then also i have this awkward moment every time where someone has a comment and i'm like well we're gonna definitely talk about this comment on the podcast so i don't respond i'm hoping that they know it's not that we're not responding because we don't care it's that we'll respond dive more via the recording yeah Well, we're having a great time. There are two episodes left, one of them being a jam-packed two-parter season finale. We can't wait to review all of that. And we just have the spoiler section left. So if you're afraid of that, we'll see you next time when we cover episode 411. For those of you still here, we know that 411 is called Length Required. That's where the request did not specify the length of its content by the requested resource. The brief synopsis here is, enough is enough. Elliot goes to the Washington Township plant. No more beating around the bush with our explanations. We know exactly what we're going to get. You hear Elliot saying, I won't give up on this world, not until I finish this once and for all, which is a rather interesting turn of Hmm. phrase, you know? And then we go back to that same room, the infamous room that we saw with White Rose and Angela and all the bizarre interactions taking place. And it's Elliot and White Rose this time. Oh, boy. So knowing that White Rose probably isn't out and about, and this room has always been bizarre, is this another kind of manifestation of the mind? Whose is it? What's happening there? I don't know, but this is going to be crazy, and I think we're going to learn a lot. Well, I think we've said everything we need to in this episode, and we're looking forward to this Sunday to find out more about Mr. Robot. 
Patreon Clatchers, we have this month's bonus coming out this weekend, and we will be recording the coffee break. So if you haven't responded to the Patreon interactive question, now's your time to do it. So check your email or just sign into Patreon and check that out. Till next time, this round's on me. This round is on me. Try again.